We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, Andy is not here today; uh, it's just me. Sadly, timing could not work out with Andy, but we do have a special guest uh, on, and this is one of those cool episode series uh, things that we've wanted to start for a while, which is just a. Uh, getting on really cool people that we happen to know via Twitter and social media. And if you didn't know by the title, we have Mr. Ed Quinn with us, a TV president <laughs> amongst us on the pod. Uh, I am honored, sir. Uh, how you doing, Ed? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love the, uh, the passion that you guys are, you know, pouring into your Cal football fandom and, um, it's nice seeing these sort of uh, little worlds grow, you know, the podcast world, the blog world, the Twitter verse, the, you know, Instagram. And so it, it's, uh, it allows all us Cal fans to sort of, you know, find each other. Well, I, I mean, we got to start off with just the insanity of college football that's happened over the last 48 hours. Like where, where do you stand on everything that's happened? What's the, been the most shocking move and things that you've seen over the last 48 hours? Uh, just give me your takes. Look, I know this is going to be hard to hear for a lot of Cal fans. Obviously, every season, the only game we need to win is the big game. The second game that we need to win is the USC game. They're the evil empire. <laughs> However, this hire is the best thing that could have happened to the Pac-12. If you've noticed... You know, we you could get into the whole Larry Scott launch of the or failure to launch of the Pac-12 network and the money we've lost and the ground we've lost to um, the SEC and, and and the Big Ten and the Big 12 as far as TV revenue and that sort of thing. The one main issue is recruiting, and at the beginning of this year, and if there's any Cal fans out there or Cal, any Pac-12 fans. Um, Petros Papadakis, who was a he was a Cal recruit, and then uh, you know had some personal issues and decommitted, and then ended up you know playing for USC. He's got an amazing radio show, one of the biggest radio shows in Southern California called uh, 
the Petros and Money Show. You can find it on iHeartRadio. And he does a college football whip around, mainly about the Pac-12 um, before and after every weekend. And the beginning of the season, he was really sounding a lot of alarms. That If you looked across the college football landscape, it was something like five of the six top teams in the country had quarterbacks from California. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. I, I can't I, – I believe there was a couple others. It is – it's an arms race, and we have fallen way behind. And when you have big national blue blood programs, and that's just – that's what USC is – um, on the West Coast, Oregon maybe to a slight lesser extent. They've kind of blown up in the in the Phil Knight era, but you need to have big marquee programs for television eyeballs, television revenue, and recruits. There is no reason for all of these recruits to be going to the South and to the East and to the you know to the Midwest. Um, all it's going to take. Is it could happen just in the transfer portal? I mean, as soon as um, as, as you know, USC reboots the players, the uh, you know, even the the the, the uh, you know the rivals in high school. It's like, why am I going to go, you know, to Alabama or Louisiana or Georgia when I can? Yeah, maybe maybe the the the, the five stars going to USC. So the four-star goes to UCLA. And if you look back to like the, the, the um, Pete Carroll era, when Pete Carroll was just basically getting every national recruit he wanted, what started happening across the board, what happened to Cal? You know, you got the Deshaun Jacksons who, said, who were commits and were like, nah. You, got, you had the Marshawn Lynches who said, yeah, I could go to SC, but I'd rather go to Cal. I mean, high tides raise all boats. Mm. And I really feel this Coach Riley hiring is uh, a, a seismic shift. I mean that's the that's the cold hard facts version of it. I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that it's it's bound to hopefully, you know, just uh, make people realize that we're gonna have to start spending some money and start competing at a higher financial level if we want to compete in the Pac-12 alone. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. Those are those are the facts, and uh, it's good. But you look like this season, hey, Cincinnati, I bet Cincinnati's got a budget close to ours. Yeah. They've gone undefeated. They've built a great program. They're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much, and they got a tough game against Houston, but, you know, they get by that, they're going to be in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, Pac-12 hasn't been in the playoffs since when? Like Washington? Yeah. Five years ago? Um, it's, it's, you have to look at this nationally. It's a big deal. It'll be probably pretty frustrating some seasons, you know. You know, trust me, everybody who was around for the Tedford era, um, everybody who was around in, you know, like I was around for when Washington was winning national championships, and we were just coming in second, second place. Um, it's the it, it Don James era at Washington. I mean, it's it's tough, but especially in this, you know, new age of. You know, the players being able to get paid on their likeness and the huge TV revenues and contracts and hopefully the playoff going to eight games. Um, it's a great – this is a great week for the Pac-12. It really is. It's, it may take a few years for everybody to uh, get up to speed, but because it all comes down to recruiting. It all comes down to the players. And a lot of these kids want to play close to home. You know, their moms want to come see them play. I mean, there's – I don't know if this is true. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But – I heard rumors that Najee Harris was coming to Cal. 
And it was only because we fired Dyke so late, we didn't know, he didn't know who the new coach was, that he ended up, because he was enrolling early, and he went early to Alabama. But, yep. you know, he's from Antioch, of course. He was going to the NFL. doesn't matter where he plays. His mom wants to see him, you know, wants to drive for 45 minutes and see him play every weekend. It's um, it's a big deal. And um, I'm, I'm I, I, you know, I don't wish SC all the success in the world, but I'm really thankful they made this home run higher. Well, I mean, so – I guess we can get into your your Cal football fandom. Like, how into the weeds of Cal football are you? Just like on a weekly or, or daily basis, like, are you one of those like that follow recruiting like all the time? Or are you just looking at the headlines and just just making sure you're in the know of anything that's happening? Like, where do you stand? I mean, I I mean, I'm not gonna you know try and like go up <laughs> against you guys. I mean, you guys have <laughs> you guys have much more knowledge. Look, I. Uh, I don't like that many sports. That's the reality of it. I don't really ever watch the NFL. I haven't seen an NBA. I love, I love that baseball exists. I, you know, my dad was the number one baseball player in the nation his senior year. And, but uh, I haven't watched an entire baseball game. And I don't know when, never, no interest in the NBA. Um, I have a niche sports that I love. And I love college football. And I love my California Golden Bears. So, you know, I, I subscribe to the, you know, all the blogs and I get all the emails and the updates and, um, you know, my, uh, my Cal fandom, I guess, starts with my grandmother on my mother's side. You know, my whole, I'm fifth generation, basically fifth generation Bay area. Uh, all my ancestors came from the gold rush, um, you know, in 1840s, um, 1850s. And, the uh, my grandmother grew up on Geary and okay. 40th in San Francisco. She graduated from Cal in 1930. So every day she would take a trolley down to the ferry, a ferry across the bay, and the trolley wow. up University Avenue. You know, as a woman graduating from Cal in 1930, my my father was a professor at Cal for 27 years. I grew up on the campus. Um, I have a real, you know, this is Joe Roth week, and I have a real affinity for all the Joe mm-hmm. Roth throwback jerseys. I'm so proud of Under Armour and what they've done, you know, really, uh, you know, branding the Joe Roth game. And, and um, hopefully we wear those throwback yep. unis this weekend. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, like on the, on the Berkeley campus and, um, you know, as early, my earliest memories, I mean, I don't really remember the Cho Roth era. The Ch- uh-huh. I kind of remember the Chuck Muncie. I kind of, there's, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I was like seven, you know, eight. So, you know, I, you know, my dad and I listened to Joe Starkey call the play, you know, I re- we were in my, in the Berkeley Hills, we were in my living room and, you know, we had Cal lost again and it was awful. I made that field goal and, and the next thing I know, my father and I are both up. He's reading, and I'm, I don't know what I was doing, sitting on the couch, just despondent. And the next thing I know, he and I both <laughs> run across our living room, and we're literally standing in the speakers listening to that, you know, infamous um, Just Arky call. So it's, um, you know, I you know, and I didn't want to go to Cal. I wanted to go to Santa Barbara. I wanted to go to Southern California. And then I got, I, they call it now a recruited walk-on. Um, I ended up becoming a recruited walk-on for the football team under show cap. Um, so I ended up, uh, you know, my, I was maybe going to go to UCLA. And my dad sort of looked at me and he goes, look, if you're, if you're going to go to UCLA, you should go to Cal. You know, if you want to go do something different and go to Santa Barbara, then go do that. But, um, 
And so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I was also taking a look at Navy and maybe Princeton, but um, yeah, that's how I ended up at Cal, best decision I ever made. And um, so that's kind of my, my Cal fandom. So did you play football and rugby or where, what did that transition happen? So when I got to Berkeley, I, they just said, look, you know, start eating. You know, start, <laughs> you know they, 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 thought, they thought I was like 230 and I was like 210. Um, and uh, we had a lot of big recruits. I played in the Catholic Athletic League at St. Mary's mm-hmm. uh, in Berkeley. Um, Lorenzo Alexander's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there was a guy named Braxton Banks at uh, Moreau. There was a kid, Christian something or other, at De La Salle, and our running back, Sean Page, were all um, big national recruits. Mm-hmm. And I had some really, really great games blocking for Sean and some big hits. And, you know, you know we had Lou Holtz in this dance. It was good that Braxton ended up going to, to Notre Dame. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up, you know, I ended up, you know, meeting with Joe Cap and, and, and decided to go to Cal. And then I, I rushed a fraternity that was a lot of rugby guys. And they were like, dude, in the spring, you got to, and then some of these guys, you know, there were like three or four football players and they played rugby mm-hmm. in the spring. And that's kind of how Jack Clark built, you know, he kind of like would sort of, you know, kind of poach these, you know, sort of football players who maybe were, you know, second, third yeah. string, great special teams guy, obviously the play, when you see the play, you're like, how are these guys doing all these amazing laterals? Uh, that's how they did it. They were all rugby players. So the next thing I know, I started playing rugby, and wow, I got hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my first, my freshman year, I, I broke both my fingers. And I broke my pinkies. And I broke a pinky, and I was still trying to play. And I had the ball in my left hand, and I was getting tackled, and I didn't want to put my right hand down to brace my fall because my, my left pinky was, my right pinky was broken. So I fell onto my left pinky and then broke my left pinky. I remember being at the, uh, the Cal uh, hospital and the guy's like, oh, this is not, are you going to fight? And I'm like, no, no, I was playing rugby. Go, How'd you break both your pinkies? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, here they are. Um, and then the next year up in UC, and then, you know, the Bruce Schneider era started. I was trying to then like, you know, I'm standing there just like lifting weights, like waving at them. They have no idea who I am. <laughs> they didn't really seem like they had any interest who I am, who I was. So, um, yeah, I just kept playing rugby. But then my shoulders started flying out of their sockets. And uh, my uh, – my, uh, at UC Davis, I dislocated my right shoulder. It was pretty gruesome. And the ref started uh, actually vomiting <laughs> on the field. And Jack Clark is looking is looking at at the referee with such disgust and disdain. Uh, they popped my shoulder back in, but um, I was going to need. I had a big surgery on my left shoulder in high school uh, to get me to play my senior year, and then I, I couldn't go through the surgery again. So my career's kind of over. Man, that's that's a that's an eventful Cal athletic history you got there. <laughs> it was kind of, it kind of was, I guess. I mean, part of me, if I had to do it all over again, I would have, you know, really made more of an effort to sort of, uh, you know, run the course and play some football. I would have loved to play for Bruce Schneider. Those were some amazing years and stuff. So, but you know what? You just you get to college and you kind of go where your momentum takes you. And uh, who knows if I'd be where I am today if I had, uh, you know, chosen differently. You know, when I graduated from college. I was a free agent for the world i could have done you know what was i going to do and so that was uh, kind of led me on a great path to where i am today well i mean let me ask you if you 
because that's that's you when you were in college. Let's uh let's say we transported you to modern day, right? Like you're on campus right now. You're a rugby player. Uh, you're maybe you're playing football. If you could sign an NLI deal right now, yeah. if you were in Berkeley, where would be your number one thing? Like what would the what's the one thing you would want to sign for? Is there anything you'd want to sign uh, for? Uh, uh, like a it, does, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've we asked uh, we asked who did we ask? We asked some other guys about this, and they were like, "I'd I'd love to be like, you know, Taco Bell Cantina that's on Durant or <laughs> or the top or Top Dog or La Verita. Uh, like, yeah, it's, Yo, well, I mean, if, if if we're trying to get a lifetime sponsorship, I mean, like, look, is there still Blondie's Pizza or does it close? I know it's moved like three times. Does Blondie still exist? It's it's made it's I think it's it's different owners and they changed the name but it's the same recipes okay, and all okay. that. It's I called mean, you know, like there were, like, I grew up on Telegraph Avenue. Literally, there was a place called Silver Ball Gardens above. Uh, I think it's above the pizza place. Might be still the Vows, I don't know what it was, but I mean, you know, we would go down to Berkeley with you know a pocket full of quarters and you would save. And that's back when a slice was a dollar maybe. So as much as I love Blondie's Pizza, if I'm getting a lifetime sponsorship, it's going to be Top Dog. Um, you know, after the game or before the game or at some point on Saturday, I will be hitting Top Dog. That's that to me. Nothing's more Berkeley than, than Top Dog. Um, you know, and then on, on like knowing what I know now and understanding sort of you know national media, I would much you know what could be better than being an 18 year old sponsored by say Ford or General Motors or you know, yeah. you know Levi's or you know a big big national brand, which is. Something that I hope I haven't, you know, because of COVID, I haven't been up to see the coaches and see the players. You know, I, I think it was 2019. I was up there for the life after ball program, but um, you know, in this new era of college football, I, I sure hope they're, they're starting to target the big, big brands. You know, I've seen chase, you know, work on his Instagram and, and he has some really good, um, you know, good, good you know, sponsors, but um, mm -hmm. it's uh yeah, it's it's the wild west. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess I gotta follow up with that. What is your top dog order? Bratwurst. A bratwurst. Yeah, it's the brat. I know it's, it's not the. Most, I mean, I love the top the top dog too, but yeah, it's, I, yeah. I'm not into. I'm not a spicy guy, and I just I love the brat. I just do it. I don't know. And I don't know. It just tastes different, you know. Seattle, there. It is. You know, downtown Berkeley. I I I gotta admit. How about yours? What's your you know what? I, I go I go all over the place. The hot link is one of my favorites there. Uh but the yeah, top dog awesome. is always just a classic, you know, with a little yeah. bit of mustard yeah. and some of their, their onions and a little bit of yeah. ketchup. Yeah. Like it's that's you can't beat that. It's pretty unbeatable. No, you can't. No, I, yeah, I, 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 I want to say the last couple of times I've been there, I do a brat and a top. <laughs> and so I kind of walk out double yeah. fisted, just like, you know, who's the happiest guy in the world? <laughs> Me. <laughs> you know. So Well, I mean Let's let me uh let me advance the the timeline a little bit. Like so, you you played, uh, you played rugby. You did all that, and and then you transitioned into becoming an actor. Like where where was that? Like you talk about being a free agent in the world. Like where where did that come in? Like from being doing all those all that athletic stuff at Berkeley. Well, so I you know I I was only taking. I mean I don't know what the unit situation is now but i was taking like 13 uh -huh. units taking the minimum because i was practicing and you know and doing that kind of stuff and also berkeley's heart i mean Berkeley, i was a i was a great student i mean i got into cal i got into ucla but when you get on campus you look around you go wow <laughs> i was one of the smartest guys in my high school i'm like one of the dumb, 
tell this guy's in the cafeteria right now. This is terrifying. Um, and, and it's and for me, what people don't understand is also really mm -hmm. difficult. I mean, I think when I, I remember my freshman orientation, they said, you know, 60% of you are going to fail out. So I ended up going four and a half years. And in the summer before my, and it was just great because I got an extra <laughs> fall. So I actually got five nice. football seasons. So, so anybody out there, any any young students out there thinking like, oh, I got to get the, don't, don't go so fast. Give yourself that one extra semester. Get that one extra football <laughs> season. Uh, you know, this was, you know, Bruce Schneider's yeah. heyday. So it was a celebration. Um, I'm a big surfer. I was surfing Ocean Beach. A lot of guys from Southern California who I was at school with um, had modeling books. And I was a valet at out in Arenda, a place called Casa Arenda. And, you know, I'd make, I was making four ninety five an hour, you know, as a, you know, for my paycheck and then tips and stuff, you know, which it was a great job. These guys would go over to San Francisco and get $150 an hour for like Mervyn's and Macy's and May Company. I mean, it was insane. Sometimes I get booked for whole days. And as a student, it was just a shocking amount of money. But I mean, coming from Berkeley, I knew nothing about entertainment. I, knew, I certainly knew nothing about fashion. Um, so I didn't even know how this business works. I, you know, they just had all these books full of pictures and they got to be models and, and that was it. Um, and this photographer came up to me at Ocean Beach and said, hey, you know, I, you know, I take some pictures, yada, yada, yada. Now, San Francisco ladies, pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, there's, you know, I think it was a coin flip. You know, this sounds like a really bad, like, Lifetime movie about how you get sex trafficked or kidnapped or something, <laughs> something horrible is going to happen to you. But, hey, you want to go take some photos in the Tenderloin? Um, but I kind of in the back of my head said, like, well, Jimmy and Art do really well with this stuff. So maybe I should, you know, investigate this. And um, so I did. And I got signed with a big agency in San Francisco called Look Models. But, and it was really amazing that last semester because I was, you know, working and I was getting these little jobs, you know, supplementing my income from Casa Rinda uh, and um, doing like fashion shows and going to crazy parties. And, you know, my, all my friends were ecstatic that I was doing this because they were all, we were all of a sudden going to like these cool parties in San Francisco as seniors of college. Um, and then I, but I was going to do an internship with Colville Bank, Banker and, you know, I thought I was going to be, uh, pre-law thing. I thought I was going to go to law school. Mm -hmm. Then I decided to go into commercial real estate. And I kind of was like, had a couple weeks left and I had to get out of my apartment and go become an adult. And the phone rang and it was my agent from San Francisco and my agent from Los Angeles. And they'd sent my photos to Europe and they said, Hey, you're booked into the shows in Paris wow. Milan, and Barcelona. You just have to get there. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they get yeah, remember. This is pre-cell phone, pre-internet, pre-everything. So, I mean, I have no idea what they're talking about. And they're just saying, like, yeah, you are booked. You have bookings over there. Can you get a plane ticket? I called my, my, my parents. And my dad had just done a lecture tour on the old TWA airlines. And he had a, a, a free ticket. And he goes, well, you know, look, we didn't know what to get you for, for graduation. Do you want... Do you want to just take this ticket? And I'm like, that sounds fantastic. And he goes, how long are you going to be gone for? I go, I have no idea. Could be could be three days, could be three weeks. I have no idea. This will probably burn out. And, you know, I called the Coldwell Banker guys, and they're like, yeah, sounds great, buddy. Go, go knock yourself out. Um, and I ended up being there for seven months. 
Um, you know, I mean, Lily arriving though in in Barcelona with an address <laughs> on a piece of paper. I'm, I'm like trying to, you know, I, I my Spanish is not great. I'm trying to find a taxi cab. Everything's wildly expensive, and I don't know where I'm going. And I ended up spending uh, the better part of two and a half years um, in in Europe. And what became really apparent really quickly was that I was not a very good model. I was still kind of frat fat. I kind of hadn't really, I was kind of a newborn giraffe, you know. I mean, and and it finally culminated with uh, Gianni Versace pulling me aside at the show saying, darling, listen to me. You are not a model. You are not beautiful. You are handsome. You are an actor. I know an agency in Roma. I think you go to Roma and you make us some movies. <laughs> I was like, you know, if I'm going to go make movies, it's not going to be in Rome. I'm going to go back to L.A. and I'm going to like, and then there are a lot of guys who started, you know, as air quote models. I know some guys who were serious models. They made good money and they, you know, they were, I had friends. I mean, they were world famous models. I was not one and I was not going to be one. Um, but I did about 37 commercials over there. So it was like, huh, maybe that's the, you know, the little motion camera is the one I should be in front of. So um, I came back to L.A. and like, you know, like every other person who gets off a bus in Los Angeles and just started from scratch pretty much, except I did have, instead of getting a bartending job or waiting tables or, you know, I did actually dig a lot of ditches and tar a lot of roofs when things were, were grim, but I was, you know, I could do commercials. And the first audition that I got was for the Ford Probe. And I booked it. I got me into the union. All of a sudden, I had health insurance. I remember I went back to Europe one more time, and I came back, and my dad had given me the like, "Hey, you know, it's time for you to, uh, <laughs> you know, get your own insurance, get your own car insurance, gotta get your act together." I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll take it. I'll figure it all out. And I came back to the house, you know, house in Berkeley, and he's sitting there, and he's got all this huge booklet, and he's looking at it, and he's like, "Hey, get over here." I'm like, "Yeah." you're in a union i'm like what and he goes you were in the screen actors guild and i'm like oh yeah i did this this you know second i did a commercial that ford one but then i had to do this little thing in san francisco and it cost me money it cost me twelve hundred dollars and he goes idiot you have better health insurance than the family that i get from the university like you have a pension if this works out god help us all you are going to, you're like actually not you know You'll be able to retire. You won't, you know, die a pauper. And uh, I'm like, really? All right. Well, you see how it goes. And that's really kind of how I was able to sustain myself in Los Angeles while I studied acting. I then went back to Berkeley. Everyone I knew played music. Most of us were guitarists. And we all studied with Joe Satriani, who had, there was a little guitar store on what's now Martin Luther King Boulevard and rose it used to be rose and grove secondhand guitar store and you know one of the greatest guitarists in the history of the world taught guitar lessons and um and so i spent all my grade school high school years playing and studying and so i ended up in a band of all things backing my way into a band that got signed <laughs> and then that imploded right after we got signed and i went back to acting and you know then i've been able to sort of maintain that ever since. that's crazy that is that's an awesome, awesome story. And also, your Italian uh, voice acting accent is... Accent. <laughs> exactly. 
great. Whenever I, whenever I get a role like that, I just do my Gianni Versace. Oh, bello. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's such like that's such an awesome like story to hear. And I, I think that's the cool thing about like the Cal fan base. Like everyone has their real unique story of what they did after they went to Berkeley. And another one right here. Like yeah. that's that's crazy. I, I... But I'm excited for this weekend. A lot of my friends who went on and got real jobs <laughs> and were wildly successful. Like wildly successful. Um we're all gonna be there um on Saturday, you know, and it's uh it's amazing. It's such a I have such a sense of pride for how wildly successful all my fraternity <laughs> brothers are. It's like, you know, I mean, I mean, granted, part of me always knew in the back of my mind that if this, if, if my ridiculous career imploded, I could go <laughs> beg one of them for a job. Um, so part of me is like, yes, he sold his company to IBM. Yes, he just bought seven buildings down in uh, Silicon Valley. Yes, I mean, I always, in in my mind, my fallback plan was to start Rolodexing <laughs> the, uh, the Alpha Delta uh, alumni looking for a job. But, you know, it's also like, man, I was... You know, we all went to Berkeley at the same time, and then we all went out fearlessly into the world to sort of chase dreams and, and, and build companies. And and to see so many of them be so successful is a real sense of pride for me, and also, I think, a real testament to the university and the kind of kids that it attracts, um, the kind of free thinkers and the kind of... Uh, um, dreamers and and uh i don't know it's just there's a different type of kid who goes to cal and um it makes me real proud to be part of that lineage man i mean i gotta ask um and i asked this to you know the nfl guys and i asked this to steven anderson when i was talking about when he met Goff at the super bowl and stuff but do you ever like meet other uh, actors or people in the industry that have graduated from Cal? Is there a little bit of a special connection there when you like know that they went to Berkeley as well? You know what? No, I know a couple of the guys have uh, one of the Chris, Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris Pine, Chris Pine went to Cal. Um, the I've done some charity work with Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Um, there's a couple like managers and you know agents and you know <laughs> the smart people, um, you know, the, which, which I actually kind of got recruited. Part of me, you know, there's a lot of t- you know, actor being an actor is so feast or famine, and there were more than a few times I, I had agents and managers uh, try and recruit me to come over to their side, um, you know, to be an adult. And you know, and sometimes I thought, wow, that would have been a pretty incredible life path too. Um, so. Yeah, but not not really so much. Like it's um, it's it's funny how there a lot of people, you know, whereas like you you, know, you swing a cat in Hollywood, you'll hit an SC guy or a UCLA guy. My my attorney who was one of my best friends is a UCLA guy. Um, but now there's it, it, there's a kind of a scarcity to it. And when you do meet them, like for instance, one of my favorite roles I've ever had was a uh an episode of castle and it's it go i think it's already i think whenever i think i've been one of those things best episodes of castle is one of the top five episodes it's called the final frontier and it was about a, a washed up sci-fi guy still you know trying to mm-hmm. keep, keep the dream alive at conventions and there's a murder and yada 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 but it's, it's really funny and it was written by a cal grad named kate Sargent, and she and i have 
ever since then become the best of friends. We are now, she just in quarantine. This is, here's typical Cal. Uh, you know, most of us learned how to program our remotes during quarantine. Like, you know, we were just trying to, like, keep one foot in front of the other. Kate shot an entire television series on Zoom. I mean, like, on Zoom, on Zoom. Like, nobody ever could beat. We're all in our, you know, I, I shot mine in my music studio. Most people were shooting it in their houses. She shot an entire, you know, uh, uh, comedy series called uh, uh, Virtually Single. Um, kind of about her life in quarantine. Yeah. Um, a little meta, but, you know. And um, and then I was kind of playing this sort of weird version of myself. She had never even heard about my band years. And I was in a, in a the band years are, were actually pretty unbelievable. And um, And so we're now writing a feature film about it. And we're almost done. We're like right at the finish line. In fact, she has... We bounce the script back and forth doing notes, and um, we're, we're close. We're going to be able to take it out next year. I already have some big awesome. studios that are interested in it. And um, so, yeah, so, like, the the one Cal person that I did, you know, get to work with immediately, <laughs> she and I became the best of friends and have been working together ever since. I also did, like, other episodes. She's been a, a mm-hmm. producer on several big network TV shows. Um, but uh, so there there is one as a perfect example. That's awesome. That's those stories are really cool to hear. And hearing that in <laughs> an industry that I have no idea whatsoever about in is even crazier. Well, I was like you, but that's, that's that was a funny thing is I had no. I was like, you know, I just bought a truck in uh, in 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 uh, you know down in or no, where, where, where was that? Was it on Solano? Was that old Ford dealership? I think so. Might have been Alameda. Anyway, I just bought a truck and just start and just drove to in California, and my <laughs> my parents were like. Do I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm crash at my, my Molly's house for a little bit. I guess trying to find a place to live. And I go, she's like, all right, well, call us if you need anything. And um, so, I mean, but that's that's what Berkeley prepares you for, right? Is going off into the world and you know, not being safe and not you know, needing a map and not needing someone else to give you you know, a, a playbook. You just go and you figure it out. And um, and that's kind of what I did for better or worse. Well, we talked about the off-field stuff. Let's if we come back to the football side of things, because you know that's we love talking about football. Uh, one yep. of our writers actually wanted me to ask you this. Uh, he okay. wanted me to ask, what was it like following the '91 Citrus Bowl team, and then the disastrous fallout from the Bruce Snyder departure? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and we'll start from there, or we'll, yeah. or we'll we'll work our way. But I thought that was oh. a great great starting point. <laughs> oh, all right. So, um, in my opinion, that Citrus Bowl team is the best team of my life. Wow. Yeah, um, I, I got to say, um, that era of watching Bruce build that program from the ashes, you know, of the the, the Homo era into uh, no, no. What do you was it? Uh, Ninety. Oh, no, he came after Cap. Came after Cap. Sorry, sorry. That was, I was thinking Tedford. Um, there were so many steps along the way. Um, and, you know, and I was at the, the Washington game where we were throwing into the end zone, you know, much like I was at the USC 2004 game where we were throwing into the end zone, you know, one catch away from, from, you know, beating the eventual national champs. Um, so, 
It was a remarkable season, maybe only marred by the, you know, we, we lost to Stanford because, you know, the letdown of, you know, barely, just barely losing to Washington. And then, um, but then really rallying in the, in the Citrus Bowl against a you know, highly ranked Clemson. People thought we were going to get obliterated and we went in and just destroyed them. Um, it was such a special moment and what happened with the, you know, it's been talked about endlessly and you can look it up if you, you know, <laughs> want to go see what the coulda, shoulda, woulda, but, you know, Bruce was going to build a dynasty. I mean, we had Heisman Trophy, eventual Heisman Trophy winners for other teams, you know, committed. Um, I mean, it, it was, it was going to be a remarkable run and the new AD who came in uh, was a liar and he, and he didn't, didn't take care of Bruce and he didn't, he didn't uh, honor all the commitments the previous AD had said. And Bruce left for Arizona state and took them to the Rose bowl. So it was, um, and you know, we, and you just watched the program sort of degrade from there. And, and it was, it was really tough. Um, you know, again, I always look at stuff that happens to the Cal football team as life lessons, you know, what just happened to our team this year with the Arizona game. I mean, there's, there's just lessons that you have to sort of like, suck up and look big picture at but it was um it was an absolutely remarkable run and you know there are a lot of amazing we all have our favorite players whether they're hall of famers like tony gonzalez i i love marshawn lynch <laughs> so much because of the character he is um i couldn't be happier seeing deshaun jackson you know running around in a raider <laughs> uniform right now Aaron Rodgers having him be as you know like basically the face of the NFL is is fantastic. But to me, the Russell mm-hmm. White story was just it was it, again so so Cal so Berkeley. If you don't know the story, he was a uh, you know he was related to Heisman Trophy winner Charles White, you know, USC superstar. Um, he was critically dyslexic, uh, and nobody took care of him nobody looked after him and he got into cal on something called i was prop 48 but which means that he usc didn't want him because for him to get into college he couldn't play his freshman year he had to get he had to actually go to class he had to pass um and so he had to give up a year eligibility and he uh he did that and no one thought he would make it through they said it was not worth it to bring the kid he's not going to make it through and berkeley went all in you know hands of the, the, the tutors the professors they diagnosed him and then they got him through his freshman year and he passed all his classes so he could play football. And our his first game, it's against the Miami Hurricanes. I mean, when they were you? the scariest, you know, biggest bad boys on the planet. And they we kicked off to them, they drove right down the field and dancing all over the field, and we're just like, oh my god, we're gonna lose by six hundred points. And they kick off to us, and it goes six feet deep in the end zone. And oh, great! Here's this, <laughs> here's this Russell White kid. Let's see what he can do. And he houses it. He houses it on Miami. His first time. It's you just. I mean, if you put that in the script, they'd be like, "That's nonsense. Take that out." You know, it just it did to be able to witness in a moment like that, and then to the way he ran the ball. I mean, he's our leading, you know, all-time lead rusher. Uh, single season at least if not you know always you know total yards 
but he would, um, you know, he would, he also had another thousand yard back in the back. He was splitting carries. And there was a way that he was just shimmy off defenders and would run. And I don't know that. So there was a real sort of emotional part of it too, as, as Cal built itself into this dynasty, watching him obliterate SC, the team that abandoned him. It was, um, <laughs> it was really delicious. Um, but um, yeah, and then, you know, here comes administrative politics, you know, dirty deals, broken promises, business. And um, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking to, 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 to watch what could have been. And I think Bruce Schneider always, he said, he won a record. He always regretted leaving. He wished he had, he wished he'd let, you know, cool head prevails. He wished he had like, you know, worked with that, the new administration and, and, you know, and gotten what mm-hmm. he deserved and he deserved it by all means. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those, you know, footnotes in Cal football history that <laughs> for better or worse. Well, you saw that, then the Gilbertson era, and then you had we had that year of Mooch. Um... <laughs> I still remember I was at my apartment in Manhattan Beach, and on the LA News, I remember the volume wasn't even up. I just saw Cal football headline, like the, like the cows on, on TV. I go, <laughs> Oh, that can't be good. <laughs> Every time Cal's in like a national news story, I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we got the year of Mooch, and then we go in, I believe it's the homo era after, and then it's like the the new second rise with Tedford, mm-hmm. and we just mm-hmm. honored him. Um, like, where were you during like the Tedford era? Like, how hyped were you like during all those years, you know, when he first started off and, you know, with Aaron and then Marshawn and all those guys. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, again, it was one of those things where you're always, you know, waiting for the other shoe to fall. It's like, you're waiting for him to get poached. I think like he played like two games and all of a sudden someone says, Oh, Temper's going to Michigan. Like, ah, no. But I mean, it was, what was amazing was Kyle Bowler was this incredible recruit that Polmo had brought in and then had, Burned, you know, this was before he could play a few games. Had burned his red shirt. He's supposed to be red shirting him and threw him in in garbage time in a game because he was just, you know, so he'd wasted a year of this kid's eligibility. And he was on this a senior laden team, but that didn't really have, you know, any kind of, um, you know, I mean, Holland ever coached again. He when it became the athletic yeah. director. Um, and so that 2000, and there were some kids, anyway, I think the, the program. So it's gone all over the place. There were some kids that had done some academic shenanigans who were like not even really players and weren't even on the team anymore. And then we got put on, you know, we couldn't play in a bowl yeah. game. But, you know, Ted for first year brings him to bowl eligibility. And it was like, hey, that's amazing. You're so sad that bowlers leaving. And, and then he brings in, you know, this, you know, this unheralded, uh, uh, you know, JC transfer named Aaron Rodgers. And, I remember, I mean, it was such a great season with a huge upset of USC. And and then we, I remember being at the, um, at we, I was actually in Berkeley at Raleigh's for the inside mm-hmm. bowl. I remember just sitting there going, man, I just love watching this team play. Like, I don't know. I, mean, I think we, we won on a final field goal. Yeah. It was like 50 to 49 or something crazy like that. But I remember just going like, I just love this team. I just love the energy. I just I'm so excited. I'm so happy for what's, you know, what's, what's transpiring. And then that 2004 season comes and, you know, again, it's, I was at that game at the Coliseum. USC fans were terrible. I mean, Cal outplayed them on, 
offense and defense. It was just Reggie Bush on mm-hmm. special teams that really, you know. But still, we were driving down, but Chase Lyman blows his knee, and MacArthur has cramps, and we're, you know, like, we're out of receivers. I mean, if we just had receivers, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably would have pumped that in, and we would have, you know, we would have won. Unfortunately, you know, shameful, dishonest, pandering Mac Brown, <laughs> you know, created a national scandal. And I mean, it's an embarrassment, really. I mean, I hope he looks back on that because Tedford should have taken us to the Rose Bowl. We USC beat us fair and square. They were going to go dismantle mm-hmm. Oklahoma in the, in the BCS title game. We deserve to be at the Rose Bowl. Texas didn't need to be. They're going to go win the national title next year. But, you know, greedy Mac Brown just had to do that. And I hope he always just realizes that, you know, you took that from – and Tedford had class, unlike Mac Brown, and, and wouldn't pander to the media and wouldn't make the obvious case that Texas got blown out by Oklahoma. Why would – you know, we, we were on the road and could have, should have, would have won. I mean, it outplayed SC. So we deserved to go to that 2004 Rose Bowl. We didn't. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Texas Tech debacle didn't help. But those kids didn't want to be there. We should have not even gone to the game probably, um, the Holiday Bowl. And then, you know, and after that, it became, you know, we USC, well, USC went on probation for a long time and lost a lot of those titles they won because the way they ran the program, um, we ran our program different. The 2016 probably is one that breaks my heart the most. I feel like that was maybe the best team uh, that Ted, for, I mean, I, 2004 was amazing, but in 2006, you know, USC was a two-loss team. And, um, you know, if, if Deshaun Jackson's shoe is one <laughs> size smaller, we don't get upset in Arizona and we go to the Rose Bowl. We win it. We win the Pac-12 outright. Pac-10 back then. So, um, you know, it's one of the things about being a long-suffering pal fan. I mean, here I am. We're having this conversation and I can literally just access. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember Deshaun Jackson stepping out of bounds on a, you know, house on a, on a, on a touchdown and us throwing a long shot, throwing an interception on the next play. So. Well, I guess we'll we'll come full circle and we'll come we'll we'll end with just where we are right now. Like, what are your thoughts on the Wilcox era? Like, what he's been able to do after um, the four years of Sonny Dykes, and like, where do you think this program is is headed towards over the next few years? I'll tell you something. Watching this, watching the Stanford game last weekend, the Oregon State game, or you know, we were underdogs. I got the same feeling that I got when I watched that inside bowl. I loved watching this team play and I loved watching this offense. And, and I think there's been a lot of people who are taking a very narrow view of this season and not understanding the devastating effects that COVID had on our program. And I mean, mm-hmm. ours specifically, like, you know, it, Besides maybe the death penalty, like an SMU, what, you know, we didn't have a 2020. We couldn't really practice. Yeah. We kind of had these games. Oh, we're going to go play UCLA tomorrow. And, <laughs> oh, but, yeah, we're going to play Stanford, but we don't have our offensive line or we don't have our defensive line. Or, hey, everybody's here. Oh, we beat Oregon. Oh, but Washington, you know, I mean, it was it was a mess. And in in for a football is the probably the most difficult team sport on the planet. It takes so much practice. It takes so much time and experience and reps and games are so important because then you watch the film of what happens. And, you know, it just, I mean, I was at the, uh, the, the San Francisco bowl in 2019 and it was a great season. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we hadn't lost a game that Chase, you know, played the whole game in. Mm-hmm. We were on a real upward trajectory. And we were bringing in, like if you look back at the big game, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, a really good offense. And yet we don't get to do spring practice. We don't get to have a real fall. We don't get to have a whole season. And everybody else did. You know, people are like, how do you lose to Nevada? Like, well, Nevada played 10 games last season. You know, they had the same offense. They had some continuity, and they got to play. We didn't get to play. And so TCU, same thing. You know, uh, you know, close game like at, you know, UW. It could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't go our way. I mean, it was – we've really been on our back foot. And then to, you know, get the Arizona game taken away. Look, there's still a small part of me that hopes that we'll, you know, if we, you know, take care of business – SCs cannot be focused on this game. There's so much going on. Every player there is like, do I go to the transfer portal? Do I, you know, do I graduate early and get a job? Like, they, that just must be a mess up there, you know, in uh, at, on campus. So, you know, let's say we, you know, I'm really excited about this game. A December Joe Roth Memorial game against USC. I, it couldn't be more fun. And, you know, at 5-7 and seven with our APR, which you've got to give Coach Dykes a bit of uh, – you know, a, a bit of credit for too. He really cleaned up the program, and it had kind of fallen apart. Um, Wilcox has continued that. You know, our, our kids are doing. I mean, they're great young men. They're they're working hard in class. They're working hard, and they had to overcome. I mean, how is it Cal's the only team that had to like forfeit two games this season? You know, we're being held to a different standard. And you know, again, this is part of like you got to take a step back. You know, as a Cal football fan, and, and you know, these are life lessons that you're going to learn. But um, I, I was terrified of what when what happened. Yeah. By the way, maybe uh, maybe Lake doesn't lose his job up in Washington if his team doesn't come out and lose to Montana because they didn't have a season. Um, you know, I mean, it's COVID's had a, a lot of ramifications for West Coast football, big time. All the recruiting, everybody, all these recruits who left and went to the East Coast because they want to make sure they could play, and you can't blame. Them. Um, but I was terrified that Washington was going to grab Wilcox. I'm still terrified that someone, he is a, an amazing, amazing leader. He handles crises like the, like the Arizona debacle. Uh, you know, he's gritting his teeth. You can see, you can see the anger in his eye, but he's not going to say anything. He's not going to get out over his skis. Not going to be some hothead jock coach. Like, you know, you know, half the programs in this nation have. He's, uh, he's all class. He's smart. He's young. He's doing everything the right way. This is really unfair. And so I think all every Cal fan, you know, if if you're mad about what transpired this season, fine. You know, write a check to uh, to to the football program. Go go to the AC store, UC store, and and buy some you know Under Armour branded gear. Uh, you know, show up to the game on a Saturday. Like you know, support the team because. This has nothing to do with coaching. This has to do with, um, with, with you know, with things that are so far beyond you know, our control. And um, I think the program is in a great place. I think this Riley hire at USC is fantastic because I think there's a bunch of kids who are going to come are going to be like, I don't want to fly across the country. I want to stay here. I'm, I'm from California. I want to play in front of my family. I want to go to the best, the number one public university in the world. I'm going to lift weights with a three-bridge view. <laughs> that view? Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that alone. 
<laughs> so Aaron Rodgers just built your uh, built your locker room. You got your little you know bear hibernating you know uh, uh, capsules in there. Anyway, I, I think the program's in a great place. I'm really ho- the the COVID would be a fatality if something happens to Wilcox or or you know we end up in some sort of like turmoil and trying to find a coach at this point. I really do. I love Troy Taylor. You know maybe he's uh, <laughs> you know, he's on deck. But uh, for right now, man, I just hope this all settles down and, you know, maybe we get one of those five and seven gift bowls because we shouldn't be five and seven. We should we should have that extra win. We should be bowl eligible, you know, if, if we beat SC. Got to be SC. But at that point, you know, we should be in good shape. There you have it. From a, uh, from a TV president, the insight, the state of the program. <laughs> you got it right there. <laughs> Look at this, 50 minutes of Cal football. I think the, the cure for insomnia is here. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for coming on the pod, Ed. Uh, if you want, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Of course, we'll call you up and ask if you want to come talk about if we, you know, beat some crazy, if we beat Notre Dame next year. Yeah, we're gonna need we're gonna need all the hype in the world. <laughs> Absolutely, I know. It's, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, hey, is Auburn still on the schedule too? I th- believe that's in two years. That so a- the following year after Notre Dame. Oh, and then we got Florida after that. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. Let's, let's, I, I, you know, I, I love it. All that makes me excited. Um, and uh, you know, I love when we were playing Ohio State. I love when yes. we played Tennessee. I mean, that 2007 Tennessee game was. Maybe one of the best evenings of you know college football I've ever seen. So um, I'm, I'm really proud of the, uh, the athletic departments and you know reaching out, and scheduling these big marquee games. And, uh, yeah, hey, go Bears! Go Bears, baby! That's all that we can say. Right. Uh, of course, if you didn't know, that's Ed Quinn, of course, the president on TV for Tyler Perry's The Oval. So go and make sure to watch. I believe what season three, four. Uh, three is airing, four's already in the can, and uh, I'm hearing rumors we're about to fire up you know, on season uh, on season five. So it's uh, let's do this. Let's do this. Right. Yes. If you talk about a businessman, <laughs> that's a businessman right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ed, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. Thanks, Rob.